Hello and welcome to another edition of the Moving Iron Podcast. This podcast is proudly provided by Axon, helping dealers move more iron for almost 100 years. Find out more at axontire.com. Axon was started almost 100 years ago out of a passion for keeping agriculture moving. It's that same passion that drives them today. With a vision for a better experience for both farmer and dealer, they set out to create a better way to move more iron. When you partner with Axon, you get immediate access to a full range of products and solutions designed to meet the complex needs of today's grower. Axon carries all major brands and sizes of tires, wheels, and tracks. From custom colors and sizes to fully customized wheels, you can have the solution for virtually any problem today's farmer is trying to solve. To find more or become an Axon dealer, please visit axontire.com. Moving iron in the 21st century. Hardworking people working hard for you and me. Moving iron time and time again. Through the years you'll find us here. Moving iron. Hello and welcome to Moving Iron Podcast Markets with Chip Nellinger. This edition of the Moving Iron Podcast is brought to you by Axon Tire, helping dealers move more iron for the past 100 years. For more information, go to axontire.com. Tractor Zoom delivering insights. If you're looking for a great place to see what's going on in the auction market, use Tractor Zoom's Iron Comps, 500 independent auction houses that report daily of what's going on out there. It's a great way to see those trend lines develop and make sure that you are ahead of what's coming. Also, if you're looking for a great CRM to help your salespeople sell more stuff, go to heyarrow.com and look at Arrow CRM. Chip is with Blue Reef Agri-Marketing out of Morton, Illinois, and Chip is nice enough to come on a couple times a week and talk about what's going on in the market. And Chip, there's, we're going to talk about the cattle market here today and, and kind of hit on that, but I want to spend a little time talking about this this input thing. I think this input deal has a, a lot bigger uh, impact than right now than I think it's going to have a, a long developing story depending on what comes from it and, and how uh, farmers react to the price and how's this going to change things around you start looking at some input costs right now, it's going to be, even with prices that we have, it's going to be, I'm going to say it's going to be tough to make a to make a, uh, a profit, but it's going to get harder and harder and harder, especially as this price of natural gas just continues to climb. With corn stocks the way they are right now and the way things look, um, we know we're going to be, you know, pretty tight on, on, uh, uh, supply as we look at going throughout 2022 and if you go and knock out a few million acres of corn and, and shift more towards uh, soybeans you could really have a pretty big developing story on on the price of corn here especially what we see maybe coming out of brazil um, and argentina this year so i guess what's your thoughts on that before we get too far into the protein complex yeah and i agree with you i think it's a huge development and, and i think um, something we've been talking to our producers on think a lot of people um, haven't spent a lot of time on it yet and are going to have a little bit of sticker shock, a lot of sticker shock when they uh, really uh, put a pencil to it. But uh, we've got some severe issues out there. And it's not just here, it's worldwide. You know, you've got essentially record high natural gas prices in Europe. It's not even winter there yet. Um, you know, the, the world uh, seems like they want to turn away from uh, coal and um, fossil fuels to some extent and uh, are, you know, shocked when uh, electricity prices go through the roof in a hot summer. <clears throat> and so natural gas has uh, 
just skyrocketed higher. Uh, of course, Russia's sitting there saying, hey, we're pumping everything we can. Um, we don't have any more to give. That may or may not be true. I'm not sure. But it's a worldwide phenomenon. The, the supply chain is part of this issue. Uh, two of the bigger uh, you know, nitrogen-producing plants in Europe have actually stopped production right now because natural gas prices are too high. South American farmers going to the field right now to plant. <clears throat> Their input costs for corn have at least doubled. They're saying that can be three to four times uh, in parts of Europe right now. I'd say ours here has easily doubled uh, so far. Now, it's only late September. There's still some time to hopefully normalize things a little bit. <clears throat> but I'm not uh, real hopeful. It's just like any inflation, right? You go to a restaurant, they have a new menu. Uh, you see a price of a hamburger just went up 55 cents. You don't ever go in and open the new menu and say, oh, wow, they just lowered the price of uh, uh, you know uh, this right. meal right. by a dollar. Yeah. And, and so it's a it's a big deal and i agree with you i think you could see right now if we were going to plant right now i think you'd see at least three million less corn acres uh and maybe that many more bean acres it could throw the corn bean ratio totally out of whack um you know of course part of this puzzle is going to be uh how many acres of of each corn and beans that the south america brazil and argentina plant we're going to get a little more uh another piece of the puzzle here a week from tomorrow with the quarterly stocks report and that'll tell us just how tight our old crop supplies are but this thing could be uh, very very tight i just back of the envelope crunched some numbers yesterday on this and if you take three million corn acres away compared to what we planted this year and even at a 179 and a half yield, which is right around trend line, and that's the biggest crop that we would have ever raised, and you take 100 million bushels out of demand, we're barely, uh, we're basically right at or slightly above a billion bushel carryout. So that's with a record crop. And, and so this thing is going to stay very, very tight. And the feed grain situation is, and wheat is, is very tight in the world. We're coming off this Northern Plains and Canadian Prairie drought. It all goes hand in hand with this input thing. And five dollar, uh, we've got December twenty two corn actually right now at four ninety six and a half. And I'm going to bet when you really put a pencil to it, four ninety six and a half uh, is a losing proposition for a lot of operations right now. And so, you know, there's no, uh, there's nothing telling you right now. Hey, we got to plant a ton of corn acres and. You know, again, this this thing is going to take some time to play out. It's got several months to kind of play itself out and and figure out, uh, you know, really what producers in the northern hemisphere are going to do. But uh, to your point, it is a big, big deal. It could be negative to beans. It could be friendly to corn. Of course, we're coming into a La Nina year as well. The last time we had a strong La Nina year, Argentina uh, had really poor corn production to begin with and so you know there, there's nothing to think that we've got to go back to 350 four dollar corn anytime soon at least until you get maybe you know march april may time frame to see how south america's crop is and how many acres we're actually going to plant here and the input thing we're just beginning to 
kind of play that thing out and, and it won't be the last that we talk about it, uh, I'm afraid. And I'm also afraid that it's only got one way to go, and that's probably not lower by spring and it's higher. Yeah, especially if they, you know, the, the, the cold winter thing that I've heard a lot of people talk about and, and toss that around, more and more of this natural gas is going to get, you know, pumped in for just heating sources. I mean, so if that's already a, a, under pressure now and then you throw a cold winter on top of that, I mean, I'll tell you what, you have the makings of a of a kind of a disaster there when it comes to looking at, at, at fertilizer costs anyway. Yeah, absolutely. And, and you know, this most recent hurricane plays into that oh, exactly. as well. Yeah. It, um, you know, that was a little rougher and it's kind of been quietly, and I'm certainly not an energy expert, okay? I don't want to lay myself off as this uh, energy guru, but I, I think that um, very quietly that uh, Hurricane Ida was a little rougher on, uh, you know, oil and gas production in the Gulf than, you know, initially thought. There, there I think, still is some um, some wells uh, out in the Gulf that they haven't brought back onto, you know, full production yet. And, and so that's been slow and that actually plays into this as well. So it's like when it rains, it pours, it's not just one thing. It's a multitude of things right now that, uh, are working against, uh, lower input costs. And, uh, and it's, you know, we can talk about nitrogen fertilizer and, and we were kind of talking about that too, right? There's mm-hmm. some guys, especially in the I States, could you could pull back a little bit on the fertilizer aspect, but you can't go without the nitrogen. You know, there's a direct correlation. Obviously, fertilizer gets a little a little iffy. There's probably some room uh, for producers to to pull back a little bit on the fertilizer side, but um, you know, it's not just it's not just nitrogen fertilizer. It's it's everything that's just going up. You know, tires, equipment. I mean, you. I'm yeah. not telling saying anything you don't know, uh, parts, uh, you know, labor costs, uh, just across the board, everything's going higher. So it's not just the input side, but that seems to be where the biggest percentage gain is. And unfortunately, that's, you know, one of the higher dollar, uh, you know, in, you know, costs of a farming operation. Yep. It, it's always fun to look at on the horizon and see bigger waves coming at you than you're already in. So it's, uh, it's <laughs> yeah, you know exactly. I mean? It's just, <laughs> it's like one thing after another. You can't, you can't hardly catch your breath. So, you know, I, exactly. I, I've read, I've read plenty of articles and, and talked to plenty of people and, you know, people that would know this economist and those kind of things. And everyone's acting like this is a, you know, we've got another year and a half of this kind of stuff before we get out of this. And it really depends on, you know, like the average pandemic last three years type of thing. So, you know, here we are, what, year and a half into into this one. So we got about another year. And I've also been, yeah, I've also uh, read here just recently for some very kind of smart people in the shipping industry. And, and they're saying, you know, best case scenario, you're, you're likely at a very minimum 12 months away from kind of getting the the supply chain, um, yeah. you know, normalize and it, and it's probably more like 18 to 24 months yep. and that's without any additional hiccups Pressure. or problems. Yeah. And, yep. uh, so that alone is, is a real nightmare situation. Yeah. Yeah. Good times, man. We got plenty of stuff to, to, to keep our eye on, <laughs> man. All right. So let's jump over and talk about what's going on in the protein markets here real quick. Um, you know, if you take a look at what's going on in the pork market, they've been, there's just some extremes there that have been all over the place. You know, yesterday, 
they showed uh, you know some pretty good movement on Tuesday, and uh, you know, but up to that, they've been struggling a little bit. So I guess talk about uh, what you see happen in the pork market. Yeah, like you mentioned, it's really kind of been on a on a weak note. That's uh, seasonally not uh, uncommon, and you know, this time of year, September, October, November, uh, the October and December lean hog contracts usually face a lot of weakness. Uh, you know, you're coming off a near record highs here from a few months back. Um, and I think on the one hand, the, the cutout, you know, is still north of a hundred. The, the lean index, uh, is still way above where the October contract is. And, and that gives us support on the big, um, you know, the big breaks. But the, the other issue that we've got going here is, um, Either late last week or early this week, they announced uh, they found ASF um, in Haiti. Right, it, mm-hmm. it's kind of jumped from the uh, Dominican Republic to Haiti, and which they're saying now that's uh, only 700 miles from mainland Florida. And I don't think that did the hog market uh, any favors earlier this week. You saw some very heavy losses, um, you know, at at times. It, but you still have, you know, I just looked here, the lean index, 94.04 today. You've got the October hogs, uh, 84.37. So they're almost $10 below. And we only have, uh, what, about uh, five, five and a half weeks to go on that October contract. And, you know, there's only so low they can go. And then likewise, December sitting there at 73.60. So we've factored in a lot of bearishness. Uh, we do have some in kind of interesting reports here uh, yet this week we've got a cold storage report and then we have a quarterly hogs and pigs report and so that really could um, be something that uh, causes even more volatility in this hog market depending on um, you know what what we see on those reports and those are notoriously both of those wildly volatile hard to predict um, it, oftentimes you get some big surprises one way or the other on both of those reports and it's kind of like machine gun. I think one of them is, I think the cold storage is Thursday and the hogs and pigs is Friday. And so we're going to have a lot of information at the end of this week that is definitely going to affect not only the, the hog market, but, um, you know, the, the cattle market as well from that cold storage aspect. Yep. So while we're on the cold storage aspect of that, box beef prices have uh, kind of got beat up yesterday a little bit or a lot of it actually and i guess as you as you look at that i mean it's a seasonal time you know definitely there's going to be some issues there but the box beef price has been struggling for a while so let's talk about that a little bit yeah that's a you know that's a hard one to gauge uh we coming off of essentially uh maybe not record but you know close to record high levels uh in the in the cutout and so we've seen a big drop which is normal this time of year, right? Once you get to, to Labor Day, and that's part of what plays into that seasonal weakness uh, in the hog market, you kind of get past the heat of the summer, you get past the big demand peak, and the numbers start building. And it's no different um, on the on the cattle side. And uh, so we have seen that normal seasonal break. But it's interesting because we came from almost record highs. Right. We've had a huge break. But yeah. as you look at this time, late September, we're still at some of the highest levels on uh, the the, the cutout than um, we ever have been. So that's a good thing. And, you know, we've talked about this too, where it's the, the cattle market is really set up quite differently. You, you know, we talked about that October hog contract being such a discount to where the lean index is. 
it's kind of the opposite um, in the in the cattle side, right? The the recent cash is kind of in the low 120s. That's right where the October contract's trading. So that's kind of expected. But then you've got the Decembers, you know, five, four and a half, five bucks above the, the Octobers. And then the, uh, the Februaries are $9 above the October. So we're pricing in some, some friendly things in the cattle market, whereas in the hog side, pricing in a lot of bearishness out there. And, and so it's two different types of markets. That's a little bit negative. Once we do find a bottom in the, in the box beef side, and hopefully get past some of this uh, cow and, and heifer slaughter that the drought has uh, kind of accelerated. I think that's been something that's kind of put a cap on the front end of the cattle market. We're putting some extra extra uh, pounds out there because uh, cow slaughter has been, you know, almost record high because of the drought in the West. And I think once we get past that, there are some better things, but we also have to understand the February and the April contract sitting there at one thirty one forty seven in the Feb and one thirty five oh seven in the April. We're already pricing in some some very optimistic numbers out there that are you know twelve thirteen dollars uh, above where our cash is trading right now. So it's a little bit of a dicey situation out there. Cattle producers, um, you know, are notoriously optimistic and bullish they have to be because hardly any feeder cattle uh purchase is profitable at the time they purchase it they have to kind of you know buy them and hope that things turn out and and so there is some optimism out there i think the numbers will shrink i think that uh, we do have some some better things ahead of us but i'm a little concerned because the futures are already anticipating that because the deferreds are so much higher so I don't know how that'll play out. It, it probably limits the the bullishness a little bit. I'm not saying you can't rally, but I think we really need to um, keep our eyes on, you know, the bottom line and, and pencil the break-evens and, you know, be protective on the deferreds. I, I think that a year from now, I think it might get really good, but further out than people expect. It, it, it may be still a year from now before we see you know, the wildly bullish effects of all this cow liquidation. And that's not a, you know, a three-month fix. That's usually a multi-year situation. And, you know, it, we're going we're gonna to see the effects of that for several years to come, I think. And the drought's not, oh, I mean, they haven't fixed the problem. Uh, they've got some rain in some areas, but we still have, you know, big problems uh, in the West with, pasture and rangeland conditions so they're not going to bounce back anytime soon yeah it is dry it is dry dry out here i mean i've got i've got an empty lot just as an example you know next to my house there's a little empty space that's that doesn't get watered or anything and it's um it's basically just dirt right now i mean you watch my dogs run across it it looks like a like an old wagon train you know movie you know it just dust just coming up all over the place so it's going to take a lot to get the the rangeland back into shape. So, I mean, going into next spring, you're going to need a sub- substantial amount of moisture to to bring that stuff back. Yeah, hopefully, uh, we can get some some snow. Uh, you know, kind of get back to normal. Get a a, a big snow winter up in the mountains, and yeah. uh, at least start the process of healing some of uh, the, the the drought. It is it's a really uh, major deal. Yep. 
Yep. Well, good stuff as usual, Chip. With all the stuff we just talked about here with input costs and those kind of things, there's, I mean, that plan that you're working on, um, there's a million different moving parts in there right now that you probably need to go back and take a look at and just start making some what-if assumptions and what does that look like. And, and if folks are working on that ship, they need some help from you and, and other folks there at uh, Blue Reef. What's the best way to do that? Yeah, the best way is just give us a call at the office, and uh, that number is 309-550-7213. We'd love to chat with you. It's uh, more important than ever to, to have a plan, execute it, and, uh, you know, the financial side is uh, is getting more and more important and, and volatile, and it's, uh, you know, it, it's not an easy sea to navigate right now. Absolutely. Well, I am Casey Seymour with Moving Iron Podcast. Make sure you check me out on Facebook, Twitter, and Instagram. That's where you're going to find the latest editions of the Moving Iron Podcast. Also, go to Moving Iron LLC for all things Moving Iron. Chip, thanks for being on the podcast, man. You bet. Appreciate it, Casey. Right on. So with that, I am Casey Seymour, Chip Nogger. Let's go move some iron, folks. Out. You want to have a meaningful, competitive advantage to help sell more equipment. Whether you represent the sales, parts, or management department of an implement dealership, there's a surprising amount of complexity when it comes to tire, wheel, and track technology. Let Axon worry about that so you can get back to supporting your customers. Axon has leveraged years of experience to create a streamlined process that gives you a proven path to help today's grower and sell more equipment. The roots of their organization go back almost 100 years to the invention of the rubber tractor tire. Supporting agriculture is the number one driver of Axon from product development through sales and service. To find more or become an Axon dealer, Head over to axontire.com. Moving iron in the 21st century. Hardworking people working hard for you and me. Moving iron time and time again. Through the years you'll find us here.